0: A beautiful psalm, even in the midst of suffering, we can be comforted that one day we will again praise the Lord in joy. This morning, God's word comes to us from Exodus 2, the last words of that. And in connection with that, we're first going to read from Genesis chapter 15. So Genesis 15, and if you have the pew Bible, it's on page 12. So, Genesis 15 is one of those well known chapters where God makes a covenant with Abram, later known as Abraham, and he promises to make a great nation of him, and that his descendants would inherit the land of Canaan after 400 years of affliction in a foreign land. So, Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the lord and he counted it to him as righteousness he said to him i am the lord who brought you out of the out from the ur of the chaldeans to give you this land to possess but he said "O lord god how am i to know that i shall possess it (coughs) he said to him bring me a heifer three years old a female goat three years old a ram three years old a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he brought him all these cut them in half and laid each half over against the other but he did not cut the birds in half and when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses Abram drove them away as the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on abraham. And behold dreadful and great darkness fell upon him then the lord said to abraham know for certain when the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot, pot, a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, <laughs> the, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Let's now turn to Exodus chapter two. So Exodus two our past the word of the Lord comes to us this morning from the last verses, verses twenty-three to twenty-five. It's on page fifty-four of the Pew Bibles. <coughs> brothers and sisters, why do we have to suffer? Suffering is of course the result of the fall into sin, but are we not God's chosen people? Are we not the apple of His eye, His dear children? Are we not His bride that He loves so dearly that He bursts out in song because of us? So why, then, do we still have to suffer? God is able to make life easy for us. He has the power to give us a life free from suffering. So why does He still allow His beloved people to suffer? Well, God does want to give us a life free from suffering. In fact, He's busy working towards that. He has promised to give it to us. And he's putting everything in place so that one day we will have it. And as part of his decree, as part of this process, God also prepares his people for deliverance. Because of our sinful nature, deliverance is not a high priority for us. By nature, we're comfortable with our present life. And we're not eager enough to be delivered from it. By nature, we don't mind living with the enemy. As long as things look good on the outside, we're happy to continue our present life. By nature, it doesn't really bother us all that much that we live surrounded by sin. But God wants us to be eager for deliverance. He wants us to realize that Satan is a cruel taskmaster, and that every delightful-looking morsel that he presents is filled with bitterness and grief. He wants us to recognize that life is broken because of sin. He wants us to long to be rid of all sin and every effect of sin. He wants us to call out to him for deliverance. That's why God allows his beloved people to suffer sin and the consequences of it in this life. God's word comes to us this morning with a theme. God prepares to deliver his people. We'll see two things. First, God's people brought to call him for deliverance. And secondly, God responds to their call for deliverance. Brothers and sisters, God prepares his people for deliverance. God's people brought to call to him for deliverance, so God's people had, directed their, had rejected their Deliverer. God had sent them Moses, but instead of embracing him, they rejected him. Because of this, Moses had to flee Egypt and end up living as a sojourner in the land of Midian. He became connected with a family of you know, the priest of Midian and married one of his daughters. Israel's Deliverer is now sojourning in a different country. However, Moses recognized that he was not at home in Midian. He even called his firstborn son Gershom, a sojourner there. But how long would Moses sojourn in Midian? For many days. In fact, he sojourned there for another 40 years. God's people went another 40 years of suffering. Had they not suffered enough? We might be inclined to say yes. However, God knew better. His people were not ready for deliverance. They had rejected their deliverer. Although they were suffering and they were not enjoying their present situation, they were not eager for God's deliverance. Doesn't that seem odd? Who would not want God to deliver them in such a situation? But if we look at the suffering God sends our way, how often are we truly eager for His deliverance? When we suffer, how often do we think, I wish things were like they used to be? When I could live without pain? When I had the health to do my everyday work without trouble? When I had no worries and no stresses? I wish I were a child again, etc. You might ask, well, what's wrong with this sort of thinking? The problem with this way of thinking is that it focuses in the wrong direction. It yearns for the past rather than for the future. When we think this way, we we consider the past as the ideal life, not considering that it was also a life filled with sin. Then we do not want deliverance, but just want an easier time in our present life, our present sinful life. Then we're not eagerly looking forward to God's deliverance, to the time when God will take us out of this life of sin into a life free from all sin and suffering. And God wants us to desire His deliverance. He wants us to be eager for the life to come. And so He trains us to be eager for the life to come for life without sin, and to do so, he sends us suffering. Often we have to suffer for many days, sometimes at the hand of an enemy, sometimes through sickness, sometimes because of struggles in relationships. Suffering is a result of sin. When God sends it our way, he, makes us, he does so to make us eager to be delivered from sin and all its consequences. As Israel suffered during those many days in the hands of their enemies, something changed. First, the king of Egypt died. The one who had commanded all the baby boys be thrown into the Nile, the one who had sought to kill Moses. Now he himself was dead. Although the enemy may live for many years and do much harm for us, the enemy has a limited lifespan. His death is certain. Even Satan and the demons have a limited lifespan. There will be an end to them. And this is a great comfort during times of suffering. Those who cause us to suffer only have a limited time in which they can do so. Even our last enemy, death, has a limited time it can cause us to suffer. Christ has defeated the enemy. Christ has defeated death. Suffering will end one day eternal joy will start one day. The second thing that changes that the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. The reality of the horrible situation they were in struck them to the core. The misery of the situation was felt so deeply that it could only be communicated by groaning. It was misery too deep for words. And so they cried out for help. They could bear the suffering no longer, they could not deliver themselves. In all that they suffer, this is the first time, the first mention of them crying out to God for help. God's children had had rejected their deliverer, but now they call on God for deliverance. Now they finally see their need for deliverer. And God often gives us suffering that we cannot resolve. Forcing us to call on Him as our only resort. However, He should not be our last resort. Even in the smallest of difficulties. When we struggle to pay attention to class, our immediate reaction should be to call on God for help. When we feel stressed because of a test or some job that needs to be done, our immediate response should be to call on God for help. when we're struggling with our children. Our first response should be to call to God for help. Prayer to God to help us in the everyday difficulties of life should be normal for us. We depend on him for deliverance from sin and from every result of sin, no matter how small, no matter how large. He is our help and strength in everyday life. And isn't that what we confess at the beginning of every service? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's not an empty saying. That's reality. That's our hope in everyday life. So, brothers and sisters, how do you deal with suffering? When things go wrong, what is your first response? Do we first try to resolve the problems that we're facing? Figure out how to fix what's wrong, figure out how to work around the problem. Do what we can ourselves from whatever... For, do what we can for, to deliver ourselves from whatever problem we're facing. What do we do when we cannot fix the problem? Do we then just wait, hoping that things will sort themselves out eventually? Eventually the problem will go away. Or if it's a problem we know that we we know won't go away, do we just grin and bear it? There's nothing that can be done, so there's no use in complaining. Just keep living the life the best that you can in the present circumstances. Don't be a burden on others. What does it take before we turn to the Lord and cry out for help? Are we hesitant to go to the Lord because our problems are too little for Him? or because we're not important enough to be bothered with or because we think he won't answer anyway if we're hesitant to bring our problems before god we forget something the very reason god sends us struggles in this life is so we learn to talk, call on him he wants us to call on him He wants us to depend on Him for help in the smallest problems of life and the largest problems of life. He wants us to acknowledge that we need Him and His help in every situation in life. We are very accustomed to asking God for forgiveness of sins, for delivering us from our sins. But let's also remember that God doesn't only deliver us is not only delivering us from our sins but also from every consequence of sin. He wants us to depend on him alone for deliverance from sin and all the misery that sin causes. The Israelites learned this. Notice that they cry out for rescue from slavery. They do not just cry out for strength to bear the slavery. They do not just cry out for an easy slavery, one with less suffering. No, they cry out from res- to, for rescue from slavery. They realize that they need more than an easier slavery. They need more than the strength to bear under suffering. They need complete rescue from slavery. They need deliverance from every trace of slavery. And that's what we need as well, brothers and sisters. Yes, we need to cry out to to God for help in the everyday struggles of life. Yes, we need to pray for strength to bear under the suffering that He gives. Yes, we need to pray for relief from study, from suffering. Yes, we need to pray for the daily strength to fight against our sinful inclinations. Our day should be filled with prayer to God for help. But as we ask for help for today, our prayer should also include cries for complete deliverance from all all the misery of sin. We should also cry out for God's deliverance, the one He's promised us. The Israel's cry for rescue came up to God. Even though their suffering continued for many years, even though God did not immediately rescue them, their cries did reach His throne. And God reveals this to us for our encouragement. Do not give up crying to God, and be patient for His answer, for He does hear. If He does not give immediate relief, that does not mean that our cries have not reached His throne. On the contrary, our Lord Jesus says, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus tells us that our Father is very aware of our sufferings and our need for deliverance from this suffering. And Jesus said these words in the context of those who prayed publicly with many words to show off to those around him. He said these words just before giving us the Lord's Prayer, a very simple prayer. Our prayers are not heard because of their grandeur. Simple genuine prayer is all that is needed. Save me Lord, help me God, but our God does want these prayers. He wants us to ask for deliverance from the heart. So he prepares the hearts of us as children for deliverance. Giving us difficulties in this life to bring us to call him for deliverance. Now bring us to our second point. God responds to their call for deliverance. And God heard their groaning. A short phrase, but packed with so much comfort. God heard their groaning. He paid careful attention to what was in their hearts. Their words did not go in one ear and out the other. God did not just give them passing attention. He really heard their groaning. It was something important to him. And did you notice what God heard? Our pastor does not say that he heard their cry that He heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. The depths of their pain. The pain of those who had sons ripped from their bosom. The pain of those ruthlessly abused as slaves. The pain of His people attacked by Satan. Brothers and sisters, our God really, really hears us. He hears more than our feeble words. Words that we can barely get out because of our suffering. Words that are incoherent and barely eke out in our exhaustion. He hears the depths of our pain. We read something similar in Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Our God is not some un- distant, unemotional God. Someone far removed from our experience, from our life. No, He is someone who is with us in all of our suffering. Someone who is very much aware of all our groanings. And why would the Almighty God hear our groanings? Because of His great love for us. Because He did not rescue Jesus when He groaned. Just before his arrest and the death on the cross, Jesus prayed to the Father in agony, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The Father heard his prayers, but he was not willing to remove the cup of suffering from him. Jesus had to go un- undergo God's wrath. The Father sent an angel to strengthen him. But he did not rescue Jesus from his suffering. Jesus suffered more than God's people ever suffered under the cruel slavery of Egypt. Jesus suffered more than we will ever suffer. He suffered God's wrath against our sin. A wrath so great that we can't even begin to imagine how horrible it is. And he suffered all of this because of his great love for us because He wanted to deliver us from all the suffering caused by sin. This also means that Jesus, our High Priest who intercedes for us, understands our suffering. We read in Hebrews, in the days of His flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death. And He was heard because of His reverence. Although He was a son, He learned obedience Through what he suffered. When we come to God in prayer in our times of suffering, he hears us and understands us. When God heard the groanings of his people, Israel, he remembered the covenant, his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Not that he ever forgot, he has always been behind the scenes providing for his people. Despite their suffering, He ensured that they multiplied and became a great nation as He had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He'd already provided them with someone to lead them out of Egypt after 400 years as He promised Abraham. And although they had rejected that deliverer, He was currently keeping that deliverer safe in the land of Midian until He was needed again. God has continued to be faithful to His covenant promises even as his people suffered in Egypt. So God remembering his covenant is not him remembering it after a period of not thinking about it. Instead, remembering means that God is now taking action as he has promised to do. God heard Israel's groaning in the light of his covenant with them, the one that he voluntarily made with them in his great love for them. He had promised to flee them, free them from slavery, and bring them into the Promised Land. And now that they were calling on Him to be rescued from slavery, He is going to deliver them. Likewise, God never forgets His promise to us to free us from our slavery to our sins and to bring us to Him in eternal life. He sealed His promise to us at our baptism. And when we call on Him for deliverance, He will deliver us. Even if we have strayed away from Him, And go on our own way, not recognizing our need for deliverance, He will still deliver us when we call to Him for deliverance. Even if we have not been faithful, God remains faithful. Just like the covenant was made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant is also made with each generation today. Our children have also received the covenant promises and can call on God for deliverance. So we must also teach them to call on God in their distress. Naturally, they look to mom and dad for help. But let us not forget to teach them to look to God for help. Let us show them by example. When there are troubles in family life, let us first call to the Lord for help in our family prayers. When our little ones have struggles in their lives, let us pray to the Lord with them. And as they get older and tell us of their struggles, let's make sure that they do not forget to pray to the Lord for help let's train our children to rely on God as the source of all help rather than mom and dad for God sees our sufferings and cares for us when we call to him he will act Our passage finishes off with God saw the people of Israel and God knew when Hagar was found by the Lord in the wilderness When she fled from Sarai in her distress, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. God saw Hagar's distress and came to help her. Now he would do the same for Israel. Moses would remind the people of Israel 40 years later in his farewell address, Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us up up, out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. Now this doesn't mean that suffering will end right away. God has His purpose for our suffering. And that purpose must first be complete. But when that purpose is complete, God will act and end our suffering. We're also reminded of this by the very last words of the passage, and God knew. Knew what? The statement is very broad and undefined. It seems to be purposely so. Our God is the all-knowing God. He knew their suffering, what was happening to them. As he would shortly tell Moses at the burning bush, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them. God also knew that they were ready for deliverance. He knew what was in their hearts, that they desired his deliverance. He knew that the time of deliverance had come, that it was time to set in motion the next stage of his eternal plan of salvation. The 400 years of bondage were quickly coming to an end. God had been preparing his people for deliverance and he knew that they were now ready for deliverance. In fact, God had already set the stage so that his deliverer could safely return to Egypt. The king of Egypt who wanted to kill him was now dead. (coughs) God is fully aware of what's happening to his people. He is the one who knows exactly when deliverance is needed. Every moment of deliverance, whether great or small, has its perfect plan in His plan of salvation. The difficulties that we face may go on for a long time. We may yearn for them to be gone for a long time. We might wonder how we can bear to face them any longer. But God knows exactly when is the right time for them to end. He is our loving Father. We can trust Him to do what's good for us, and for His greater plan of salvation. He hears our cry for help. He sees our suffering, and He knows when it has accomplished its purpose. He also knows when it is time to put an end to all sin. When it's time for Jesus to return. In fact, He's the only one who knows the time. And we can also be confident that He will put an end to all sin and suffering at exactly the right time. Just like He knew when, to, when the time had come for, to put an end to Israel's suffering, He also knows when the time will come when it is just right for, us to end, for all suffering under Satan to be put to an end. We do not understand His plan fully, but we do know the end goal of His plan. Just like He promised Israel that after 400 years of bondage He would free them and bring them into the Promised Land. He also promises to take us, His Israel, out of this life, out of this life filled with suffering caused by sin, into the eternal Promised Land, into a land full of joy. Why do we still have to suffer as God's children? Because He wants us to be eager. be delivered from sin and all its consequences. He does not want us to be content to live forever in this life. He wants us to long for His deliverance. He wants us to long to get rid of sin and to come to live with Him forever in the life to come. And when we cry out to Him for deliverance, for His deliverance, our dear Lord will take it to heart He takes our groaning to heart and promises to deliver us into eternal joy. Amen. Let's come before our God in prayer. Our dear covenant Lord, we thank you that you bring us to cry to you for deliverance. Lord, we confess that by ourselves we are we would be too content to live in this life this life is all that we know and it can seem so good and yet you promise us something much better and so we're thankful that you give us struggles and burdens to bear burdens to help us to realize this life is a life of sin miserable in comparison to the joy that is to come lord work us mightily with your holy spirit grant that we may desire more and more to be free from this life and we Desire more and more the life that is to come. The life that you have promised to us free from sin. Free from the misery of sin. Where we will never again harm one another. Where we will never again harm you. Where we will never again suffer harm from, or misery from sin. Lord, help us to look forward to your deliverance. Lord, work in us with your Holy Spirit. So that our hearts, desires, the goal of our life may not be this life. We not be have to have a good life in this life, but to be there for you, with you in the life to come. Lord, we also ask that you help us to seek you in our troubles, both great and small. Grant that our lives may be focused on you. That we may acknowledge that all our help is in you. That the problems of life, both small and great, need your help. Lord, grant that our lives may be full of prayer to you for help, and that we may acknowledge you as our God, as our rock and our Redeemer,